Number one, Star Wars. Number two, comics. Number three, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Number four, Mario. Number five, Weird Al. Number six, Batman. Number seven, Cal. Number eight, The Simpsons. Number nine, TV. Number ten, every single band that I stole all their MP3s. But before they all sold out, see it all together if you with me now. Hey everybody, welcome back to Nerds Ruin Everything. I'm Logan. And I'm Adam. And uh, we're definitely going to ruin The Last of Us. So yes. if you didn't watch the premiere and you haven't played the game, because correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, you've played the game? Yes, I have. I've played both games. Okay, so, so I'm going to ask some questions. And okay. um, <laughs> so if nobody wants to know answers... I don't know, maybe skip ahead like 30 minutes because we can just start with that right out of the gate because I I've, I, just finished it last night. I had to watch it in two parts, um, <clears throat> mostly because but, holy, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we're going to spoil it. So maybe like jump ahead 30 minutes if you haven't watched it or played the games. So I'm but I'm really curious as somebody who played the games. What did you think of the premiere? Um, I liked it a lot. I understood um, the changes that they've they've made. Um, I like where they're headed with it. I like the I like the like city of the dead type of like like thing that they're doing. I mean, it's not to say that there isn't that that, that isn't there. I just the way that the way that it plays out the first part of it uh with the exception of the john hanna moment which we can get to in a minute which was a brilliant bit of like uh craig mazonness um but like the opening moments is basically the game the first part of the game like the the pre-title sequence for the game um with with joel and his daughter um uh, Joel, Tommy, and his daughter, and what happens, and the way that it plays out is literally verbatim, step by step. Once the shit hits the fan, is like the way that it goes. I like what they're doing. I like the fact that they're setting up things. <sighs> they're setting up things that definitely they're they're building a mystery, which it's not really a mystery. Um, I mean, you guys can kind of read it, especially if you're not you're not. Um, if you've not played the game, the game basically makes it very, um, it like, you know, because like how games are right. Like yeah. they always have to have like the goal. So like, there's no plot twists other than like, I remember the first time I played it and okay. So like spoiler start now, uh, when his daughter dies, I literally thought I fucked up the game. Like I was like, Oh fuck, I got to go back and play it. And I restarted it. I restarted it three times. There's no way to save his daughter. Like, uh, like, when, like you play yeah. the daughter for a bit, but then you shift over to Joel. And when you do, like, honestly, dude, like, you literally think that you're making a bad, like, you, you didn't make the right decision or something, right? Um, I mean, you know it, how it, it feels goes. like that in the damn show. You're just like, yeah, like, what? And I, yeah. so that, that is one thing that I knew going in was mm-hmm. that his daughter dies. And uh, I, I was like, so. It was almost worse knowing that she dies than having it be a surprise that she dies. Because for fucking... Because the the pilot, the premiere is 90 minutes long. So 
And that's almost half of it. It's like the first 30 minutes is is that whole preamble. So for 30 fucking minutes, I am watching this girl go through all this shit. Just like my heart like pounding because I'm like, oh, this is where she dies. This is where she dies. I didn't know how she died. I just knew that she died. And like every fucking time she did anything, I'm like, I'm just waiting on it. The way she dies, like, was almost like it. I I don't. It was more heartbreaking than if she had just turned into a zombie. You know. Yeah. Like it's a total, not fluke, but just a fucked up moment. And it's just like I felt like, hey, like if you'd done just something different, just anything different. Yeah. You know, which kind of is a cathartic moment for him, I guess, at the end of the episode. Um, and it's kind of, I guess, the way he feels. If I had done just anything different, you know, maybe she wouldn't have been shot and killed. No, no, absolutely. Um, and uh, I mean, it's a, like like what I like about it is exactly what I loved about the game, because it's a rough game. Like it's emotionally a rough game. It's designed to be like that. Um, Naughty Dog is one of my favorite video game studios. Like I still like RIP their star Wars fucking game. Like literally would have probably been the best star Wars game ever because I I just, I do generally like a naughty dog game. Um, but like, I think that what bound me to this game was just how harrowing it is and the decisions you have to make. Um, I'm going to be very interested in how they, because, okay, so, like, with the thing that I do love about the, the game that they ported over was the time passages, um, which I'm fairly certain that they're probably going to do. Because there are a couple of points in the game where there are things that happen that you get stuck in places for months. Because, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's I mean, it's a, it's a, an apocalyptic story, but to be honest, like, it's more of a frontier western story with... Yeah mad with spikings of mad max craziness like i can't wait until we start seeing things that they've suggested about that are actually there like cannibals um and slavers because they all play a part in both game in uh in the two parts of the game um there's some like pretty like awesome stuff that's waiting for us and they've thrown a whole bunch of money at this game at this at this show the plane crash is one of the it best fucking plane looks, crashes I've seen. It looks insane. Like, yeah. uh, you know, I, I could not believe the... Uh, so, a uh, couple of things. I, uh, a, just... Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I, yeah. The reason I had to watch it in two parts was because, like, I, yeah, I was getting anxious as hell watching it. Like, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it, to me, I was just like, this is so insanely well done. It both, I could tell what they were directly porting from the game, just, you know, being familiar with those types of games. And like, you know, when it cuts to that, like first person point of view and like you're in the car and you're like, you're driving by things and like everything's shaky and like, it's, it's designed to make you to like pull you in games do that. So that yep. it ramps up the tension in you, you know, 
you, you don't see it a ton with movies because it, it's, you know, it's a, at least in great movies because it's a hard thing to do really, really well um, yes. to switch back that perspective back and forth. But they do it tremendously well. Um, the first thing that I was like head scratching, like, wait, what is the 20 year time jump? Yeah. Okay. So the time jump isn't as bad in the game, but they definitely, like I said, they play with time. Um, 20 years is a long time, man. Fucking time. (laughs) Yeah. It's a real long time. Um, but it also, I feel like, I feel like the reason, okay. So the reason why they do that is because in the video game, you can fucking age a dude really pretty. Like you can, like, I mean, you like Joel ages a lot in the game as does Ellie. Um, who ages uh, who ages quite a bit in the um in the game of course like through the two uh through the two the two games but um i think it was to give him a visual like to give him more of i mean cuz Pedro Pascal is like our age which i'm always like shocked by i'm like this dude is like in his early 40s but he was supposed to be in his like mid to early 50s in the game so and he looks it so I feel like they did the time jump to kind of, I don't know. It, it's a weird thing to do 20 years. I think it's 10 years in the game. Um, That's, uh, that was it's the, so the big, the thing for me that like, and maybe they explain this uh, and you tell mm-hmm. me if they explain it in the game, but like, what's, what's his motivation at like for 20 years what has been this dude's motivation to even stay alive like um i, so, I would have been suicidal literally the next day i probably would have killed myself you know? um a lot has to do with his relationship with tommy his brother okay and and just moving forward um that's something oh, okay so like gabriel luna is like a great actor and like i'm glad that they cast him as tommy because there's a lot of i'm not gonna even like like there's a lot of heartache that's in store for people especially if they're if they've not played this game and they're watching this and they really started to dig things that that's happening on the show like i i do love the fact that they they get Joel, Tommy, uh, t- Joel and Tommy together at the beginning of the, and they extend it out for a bit of time. But they also like lay the seeds of Tommy being a super fuck up, um, uh, which like you know he's like he's like the brother that always says that he always has an excuse for the fuck ups that he does, uh, but Joel always forgives him. And it, like I will just say this much: like I won't ruin whole swaths of things because it's. Because I don't know what they have in store for us, but Tommy's continual fucking up and making excuses for it, of course, will always comes like it. Like in any great story, like that kind of shit always comes to a head, and it definitely does. But it's not in the way that you think, and it is heartbreaking. Like when you when you play the game, you like one of the things I loved about the game was how upset I would get about the decisions I had to make. Because they're literally like Naughty Dog knows what they're doing. They're making life and death situations a part of your thing. It's like the train: save one person or save a group. Like that whole like you know the, yeah. the question about the 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 out of control train. Um, so 
like there are things that I feel like like we haven't seen, but because of the level of actor, I'm actually really I'm really excited to see what they do. Like um uh like the 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 Anna Torv character who like is unrecognizable. Like she was unrecognizable to me from where she was with like who like what she looked like in Fringe and what she looks like at the beginning in the situation that she's in, which is totally made up. That's a Craig Mazin thing. Um, but I, I was gonna like, ask: Is she is is all of that pulled from the game, or is this like we can get Anna Torv in our show? <laughs> well, okay, so the okay, so she's like a compilation of characters, and not necessarily. Um, a oh god um she's not uh, like like okay so like she is she's like how can i put this because there's a lot of the stuff that we don't know yet that i don't like i don't want to ruin certain things because it's actually better for everybody to like actually know but she's a character in the game but their relationship is a little bit different um like they're still like the smuggling partners, but I feel like there's this contextual, I guess, like like closeness that I wasn't expecting because it's never in the game. At least I don't feel like it was in the game. Um, but you also have to realize like, I, it's been about probably eight, seven or eight years. So I'm like trying to go yeah. off of memory also. But she is a character. It's just... Um, she's kind of like an NPC. Like, if that makes sense, like, you yeah. know, like she's definitely NPC kind of thing. So like getting Anna Torv to do this, I feel like elevates it, um, in the best way possible. Um, I, it's, it's, it's just different dynamics. Like, like that's the thing that I liked about the show is that oftentimes, I mean, like we've, we've talked about before about adaptations, not just video game adaptations, but adaptations in general. Um, they don't take the right lessons from what made the game or the property special and they just ruin it because they're so ego driven with stuff. I feel like Craig Mazin has done a wonderful job of setting the table with this pilot. I, I um, agree. Like I, I was, I was not expecting. Okay. So uh, to take a little step back here. So huh? Craig Mazin is, the the guy that like he he's brought this to television like he developed yes. it from the game you know of course with help from other writers and uh the game production team and yada 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 but like if you don't know who craig mazin is then okay chernobyl aside because mm -hmm. like that that's probably his first like adult thing yeah this is the dude that wrote the hangover movies he wrote <laughs> superhero movie now I, I i mostly enjoy well i enjoy like half the hangover movies but yeah. he wrote like a scary movie one of one of those like school did he write school for scoundrels or produced it or something he produced like that it with, he's tom he's he's mainly known for his his work with uh todd phillips um, yeah. who wrote the hangover who he co he co-wrote the hangover with um he, i think he produced school for scoundrels um but he's mainly known for that i my favorite movie of his is the fucking harlan uh the, the harlan 
uh, Rocket Man. Right, yeah, that's like his first first, uh, first screenwriting credit. Yeah, yes, it's a fun, uh, goofy movie. It, it's actually better than everything he turned out. Now he did direct the specials, which I really yes. enjoy the specials, but that's a James Gunn script. So yes, it is. In um, uh, a movie that nobody <laughs> has ever seen. With a cast of people that you would be like, all these people were in a movie together? This is insane. <laughs> um, it's, uh, Rob Lowe is a superhero, so it's worth that <laughs> price of admission. Um, yes. But yeah, like well, he wrote a bunch of silly, goofy movies. And mm-hmm. also the sequel to The Huntsman. <laughs> like, yeah. it, so this is not the guy, like I said, Chernobyl aside, this is not the guy that I would have pointed to and said, this guy can do this. Like, yeah, I I would not not have imagined that it would be this compelling. I didn't watch Chernobyl. So I Um, actually didn't know how much, I didn't know that like that was his baby. Um, Yes. So I I, like, I, I would like to read an interview where somebody says, what happened, man? Like, are you okay? Because you know what? (laughs) <laughs> you went from making these silly, goofy, like, just, I mean, not to be mean, but stupid scripts. Yeah, to scripts. Like, this is some serious shit, man. Like, Chernobyl yeah. is, it's based on true events. But, like, to just dive into that, like, that's heavy stuff, man. And, like, you know, yes, I believe this came from the dude that, made that show but <clears throat> not that wrote the hangover movies <laughs> or rocket man or yeah. fucking or, or like you know um okay so i honestly feel like okay so like from what i understand chernobyl was in development at hbo because hbo is a wonderful place like at least it used <laughs> to be um before fucking yeah zazzy zaz <laughs> But um, Mason was in development for it for a long time. I think it was like seven or eight years. I also think that the triggering moment for him where he stopped being like funny guy and started being like, oh, was, you know, that he would, you know, who his roommate was at Princeton, right? Like his, he went to Princeton. Like that's the weirdest part to me of Mason's, Mason's things. It makes, it makes Chernobyl. Like, it makes Chernobyl, like, oh, okay, well, yeah. But then it makes, like, shit like School for Scoundrels and shit like that and all the Top Phillips work going, huh? Um, Ted Cruz. Oh. And, and like, during Cruz's 2016 presidential run, Mazin went to town on this motherfucker on Twitter. Like, literally blew this dude up. Like, like because he knew him. I mean, he was like, like I feel like at that point, he was one of those guys that got politicized after Trump got it elected. And this is the thing is like, you know, like, OK, so like the thing that I'm going to be very interested in is like so Chernobyl is a harrowing experience, like as a kid. of OK, so like just like a like a step. Back, That's why I didn't like, watch it. I, I yes. Was like I, I, I know what I need to know about the real life events. I don't know that I can watch them being depicted. Um, it is harrowing to say the least. It is one of the toughest watches I've ever had. Um, it's on, it's, it's like with the level of seriousness, it's on the level of like something like Shoah, like where, like, I I know that that sounds weird, but I mean, it's like this whole thing of like, 
shedding light on a terrible situation with the details of that terrible situation, which makes it all the more worse. Like that to me about like the show, a documentary, the four hour like thing, like what makes that movie that that documentary so harrowing for me is the minutia that they get into like the, the, and that's what Mason does with Chernobyl. And as a kid who at, at a very young age worried about nuclear apocalypse, because that's all we fucking saw on the TV. Like was Terminator War. 2, man. <laughs> yeah. Look, dude, like Mason kind of like, like got into my head with Chernobyl and it became this like, like, it, like honestly it gave me nightmares. Like I won't watch it again because it's just such a fucking, it's such a fucking harrowing experience because like as a kid who thought about what would nuclear fallout actually be like that just kind of confirms every single bit of bullshit that you could possibly think of um, that you thought in your head at nightmare uh, nightmares. And it's just like, let so, me die in the blast, man. Just let me die exactly. in the blast. I, I don't want to live in the fallout. Just yeah. let me die in the blast. <laughs> Absolutely. So like this kind of like when you see Chernobyl, like it, like when I watched Chernobyl and then I heard that he was making the last of us with Neil Druckmann, who was the creator of, of the game. I was like, Oh, that is actually a, a, an inspired choice an obvious, but inspired choice. But watching this, and what I like, so like this and Chernobyl are very different animals, um, of course, because one's a pop, like, you know, one's an action, like an action driven adventure with spikings of like, like hardcore emotional distress. Whereas Chernobyl is this slow, painful horror drama or drama horror with about real life events. But I feel like the connection, the connective tissue is the the paper pushing the 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 what happens after the incident right because chernobyl isn't about the drop it's about the fallout and i feel like the last of us perfectly aligns with that because we yeah i i like i like okay so like i like the 20 years because it allows mazen and drucker to concoct society after the drop right yeah you you don't have to so uh, um the the show that this is going to get compared to probably yeah for the worse is the walking dead um and the thing about the walking dead is i mean in my opinion is it got lost in the weeds of the 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 journey like yeah the how many how much of that show was spent in effort to quote rebuild society like every other season you know for two three seasons at a clip it was oh we found these people with this society these people with this society or like in the early days it's like every four or five episodes i think where it's like oh these people are trying to do and you you just get lost in all of that where it becomes just the same kind of story and the 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 only thing that i think really bothered me about the time jump was i don't understand this dude's motivation and yeah no, why I, he didn't take I a have, bullet to yeah. a gun to his head right yeah i, I have full faith uh, that the, the show will explore those themes but like it just i just was like i don't know man like how do you go from 
watching your daughter get gunned down in front of you to literally tossing a child's body into a funeral pyre. Oh God, that was a total Chernobyl fuck you. Like that was, that, oh it was God, a pretty dude. upsetting moment. Like that's pretty um, damn upsetting when you realize uh, like, Oh, you realize you, as soon as you see the, the, button, yeah. the, 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 the scanner, right? Like, yeah. You see it red. Well, I was like, they, does red mean good? Like I, I was so confused. I was like, so she, she's infected, right? That's what the red's got to yeah. mean. But then the way yeah. that woman was talking to her, I was like, am I confused here? And then cut to, you know, three minutes later, you yeah. see her bag over her head, shoe, shoes in the back of the truck. And I'm like, ah, fuck. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's this very upsetting moment. But like in the way that the show needs it to be. Um, yeah. And it, it establishes that the green red scanner like thing mm-hmm. it, it sets that up for what comes later at the end of the episode um so do we get to find out why this girl is special oh yeah absolutely okay. i mean i can tell you why i can tell i can absolutely tell you why she's special I, well, um it, clearly she's been infected and like she has some kind of like antibodies or something that that like allow for her to fight this off or something like yes essentially yes it's a little bit more complicated than than that but yes absolutely like so yeah like um her, the amazing like, thing to me is that people in this world are still fucking and having babies <laughs> like yes <what? laughs> like 20 years there's all these kids running around like what <laughs> But so so, barely surviving. Who's even thinking about that? But also, like, think about it this way. Like, okay, so, uh, like, I I found it very interesting. Um, what they like. So the script is a bit of brilliance, right? Like, I keep on going back to it, going, "Fuck, man, they really got it right. They really got things like the small things right. Like, like, uh, like the Fedra officers, right? And the whole thing of like Joel being basically essentially a a pill, a pill dealer. Right. And the thing is, is that if you listen really close to that conversation, they were like, yeah, so, um, you know, in Atlanta, there's, there's, there's two factories and all they produce is pill and guns. And that tells you all you need to know about what this society has gone to. And the fact that you can just make that leap of, okay, so like, you know, Bullets and drugs, right? Guns and and drugs, like opiates <laughs> of the masses. Who gives a shit about things like reproductive rights or reproductive care? So, yeah. you know, the people that, you know, I uh, like the people that are like, you know, the lowest of the low. I mean, you know, you just like let, let them have babies. Why? Because if you like, you know, you're in a situation where if they're if like, you know, it's a fascist, it, it, it's like a fascist you know, yeah. obviously it's, it's, it's a fascist organization, a, fa- a fascist government. And basically, you know, kids are like, you know, like, you, like she's like, like what happens with the kid. Like, you're going to tell them all the lies. Like, cause you know, like that's what, that's her spiel. Like all the toys. What are you fucking talking about? All the, yeah. all your favorite foods. Are you kidding me? What? What are you saying? Like, this is the end of the fucking world. And you're telling this kid all of these. And then you realize what happens. Right. Yeah. But, for me, it's like it's more interesting to have like they have that conversation with that guy who like 
like I, I I love the moment where at the end where Joel does what he does because it like just solidifies the fact that he can't go back. Like he's done, right? Yeah. But I mean to, to make a greater point, it's like of course they're not gonna make condoms. Why are you gonna make condoms when the thing that you really should be making are surgical gloves? Who gives a yeah. shit about like in a society like in a society where you're trying to control everything, um, you know i.e. this fedra organization you're gonna you're gonna take the latex that you can make and make specific things for your elites right and like the elites don't care about condoms uh, which is a sad state of affairs but i mean i feel like like to me that's the layeredness of this like pilot script and i just like my hope is is that mazen and drucker and their and their writing room keeps this level of like this level of kind of like multi-layered which i feel like it, it, it shouldn't be a problem this multi-layered um approach to and I, okay so like that's the big difference for me with the walking dead and this is that even in its initial conception of the walking dead it was all pop it was no pop it was it was all dessert and no veggies and this is like this great thing of like eat your veggies, but you're going to get a bunch of meat too. And you're going to get dessert. Yeah. And it makes this full meal as opposed to the walking dead. When I was watching it, the first like three seasons, it was all just dessert, right? Well, it was all well, past the pilot. I would a hundred percent agree with that. Like yeah. that, that pilot. Uh, I, but I mean, you're talking about Frank Durabont. Um, like yes, he's, you are. Sorry. You know, he, yeah. he's in for the first season and then they ousted him. Um, but like specifically the pilot, like he does such a good job of making it about the characters. Um, and the show ultimately kind of just lets him down because it does try to stay true to just being about the characters and not the situation. But like it, it's such a just a letdown overall um but yeah uh, it really is um which i mean so, that they this that could still happen with this you know a great yes. pilot does mm-hmm. not equal this is going to be a great series because hey we saw that play out over a decade with the walking yes. dead but i can't imagine this is a show that goes more than three or four seasons i don't i don't i don't think yeah four is probably the most um and also, like, you know, like, the level of actors that they have coming in, at, like, uh, in this, in this game, yeah. like, in this game adaptation, I mean, so. I'm so like, excited for Nick Offerman, I can't tell you. I can't wait till you, um, uh, I can't wait for you to, like, because, okay, so, like, if you're a Nick Offerman fan, this is the most Nick Offerman, Offerman role that ever did Nick Offerman. Like, it's, it's literally like, like, it, like people from Parks and Rec are going to laugh because they're going to feel like this is like the headcanon sequel to where, um, to where his character goes after Parks and Rec's ends. <laughs> like, literally, that's like, literally what this, this, this role is. Um, <clears throat> I mean, Melanie, Melanie Linsky is in this, in this, uh, is going to show up, um, Storm Reed, who <clears throat> I feel like is be- like, she's got a movie coming out this week. Um, the sequel to Searching, the the next sequel, but she's become quite the accomplished actress um, with her work uh, on Euphoria and different in different movies. Um, so she's showing up, um, 
as a as a specific character um, um, in the from the game, but it, it's a it, like so like there's a lot of people in this in this show, and like this just I mean like you know the fact that you have Pedro Pascal who went to bat when he got offered the role. He went to bat and he he went to bat for for this role. Like he like he like the Mandalorian people he had to go to he had to go to Kathy Kennedy and convince her that it was a good idea to let like to adjust schedules so that he could do this role. That's how much it meant to him when he got it. Um and it's just like like when you have somebody that cares that much and I mean he goes hard in this pilot. Like like uh, I love like you know like i was telling i was telling my wife last night after we watched it i was like i don't know if i there's another leading man right now that i like more than i like Pedro pascal yeah, like he, just he's, he's killing it uh, anywhere he shows up um yeah i just started re-watching some of the mandalorian and like it, it, it's mostly not him physically well it's what like maybe 60 40 not him physical acting yeah in the um, first series, yeah, sixty yeah. forty, not him, but that that voice work. I mean, let's yeah, not. It's really good. Yeah, but then you get into the second and third seasons, and it's literally it train it changes to eighty twenty. But yeah. you don't know. Like the weird part is, is that like he's even admitted like that's how awesome and baller he is. He admits that like you know the Mandalorian is like three guys, right? Like yeah. three or four guys um that make it him and then like slowly he started to take it over but you never miss that continuity the walk the way that the action is done um you know all of the stuff the the posture that was all four of them together as he slowly went into the more seasons jesus christ like it's good right like it's like like you see how good he is and and it's going to be interesting to see how they maintain uh, especially just a shooting schedule with mm-hmm. the two shows like d- does that lessen his duties on uh the mandalorian like as far as physically being there i mean if it does we unless somebody tells us we're probably not going to notice um yeah but we also have you know we ended the mandalorian with a lot of chatter about him the character not having to wear his helmet all the time so yeah like so that that necessitates him being there so it th- that's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out um no absolutely i, I but, think he is just um just killing it man he he was so good he's so fucking good it's so heartbreaking like i got choked up watching him like Watching, watching the moment between him and his daughter, like even even though I knew it and I played it, I mean, like I said, I played it like three times uh, before. I was like, "Fuck, is this supposed to happen?" And then, of course, you know, going, yeah. you you know, you go on to you go on to review. You go, "Fucking, what am I? Uh, what am I doing wrong?" And then you realize, "Oh, the Drucker made it like that." Like I was like, I was that like, what's the joke? I think it's in uh, Man on the Moon. You remember when Andy Kaufman? Wants yeah. the the wants the 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 um the digital noise into the into his yeah. series, and they're like, why, why? It's not funny. And then it cuts to like after he's dead, and they're showing the the special, and the 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 CEO is watching it, and like he bangs the fucking thing on the thing. You're like, 
oh, it's that kind of like level of shit. I'm like, yeah. ah, okay. But I was going to ask you, like, so since we're talking about The Mandalorian, do we think that The Mandalorian is going to go more than four seasons? Like, honestly. Um, so I, I was funny. I was just talking about this with Jacob on. Uh, oh, okay. The, the our Star Wars show. Sure, yeah. Um, I, I I don't know because so the world is expanding, um, yes. uh, more faster and quicker than it ever has before. So, mm-hmm. uh, like the Mandalorian season two sets up some mysteries that it doesn't seem like the show intends on answering specifically about cloning because yeah the the end of book of boba fett it becomes clear that like that's what they are going to focus on with the mandalorian and boba fett is the mandalorian culture like that whole thing like where that society is going the the fight for the dark saber all of that um, and Ahsoka very clearly is going to be a sequel to Rebels. Yeah. Um, with the search for the search for Ezra and yeah. and then what's his name? Oh God, I can't even. Uh, Thrawn. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I I would think that at some point we're probably going if they're successful we're going to get other shows set in this specific timeline. Yeah. Um, no, no, absolutely. No, okay, so, like, a question for you. Does it mean, like, because of the fact that they're not really telling, like, okay, so we know Boba Fett and and Mando are telling, are told concurrently, right? Like, we know that. Um, but we don't know where Ahsoka lines up in all of this. Do we think that Ahsoka has mando in it because of uh because um shit um good lord uh what's her name um oh rosario dawson no no not rosario dawson um but uh oh uh you're talking about sabine sabine is in it and sabine okay so like we don't know any of that story we don't know like like she ends where her position ends in rebels and obviously we know that like rebel starts like ends around the time that rogue one begins we know this right like like yeah. or at least about a a couple of months right um but then mando and uh boba fett take place after return of the jedi and so like we know that there's what five years between those five to six years between the, when the the rebel war starts and it ends with the Death Star two being destroyed, isn't like so. If it's it might be more than that. It might be closer to seven or eight years. I, that, okay. I know there's an official timeline, but yeah, it's 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 within a ten year time span, five to ten years, somewhere in there. Okay, so, so Sabine, Sabine has like what? Okay, so like what occurs in that time frame? Like, do we get that? Because Sabine's not anywhere. Like, like I would think that. All the mando, like all the mandos, have been have been. You would scattered, think they would right? like, like, yeah. You would think they would like kind of shore up and come together, but no, they don't. They kind of just scatter to the wind and create all these like weird offshoot factions. Um, it would be interesting to a degree if uh, Ahsoka became a prequel and filled in those gaps. Um, 
I would rather see it run concurrently. Um, yeah, because because what's his name gets the dark saber and Sabine like like that's the thing that Mando wants. Siri Mando at the end of Mando season one gave me such anxiety. Yeah, was because he has the fucking dark saber and the last like, person how, we saw. How did he get it? Like yeah, how last did person we saw was Sabine. Right, she's the last Sabine, one that yeah. has it. Yeah. Like Sabine with House Vizsla, like she was the she basically essentially whoever holds the dark like you've like we've we've saw many times whoever holds the dark saber runs basically runs the gamut with with Mandalore uh, Mandalore right yeah. so what happened between that time which is always like that's the thing that I find like that's interesting is that we're not talking about what happened like we get bits and chunks of it. But we haven't gotten what happened here. And I'm often wondering, I often wonder if if that's something that we're not gonna get. Um like like or are we going to get it and we're I mean, gonna it get it be in told in fl- yeah, I mean Boba Fett did a lot of flashback work. Um mm-hmm. so it, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Uh I, yeah, I, I don't see Mandalorian going more than five seasons, but that could also be a matter of um, how much money Disney's willing to continue to throw at the creatives to keep it going. Because yes. um, I imagine you keep paying them more and more and more, they'll just keep going. You know, yeah. for 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 everything that that they built up to with the Avengers stuff and killing off uh, Iron Man and uh, aging up Cap. Had you backed uh, three or four Brinks trucks up to those two actors' houses, they would have gladly, I'm I'm sure, kept doing it, Mm -hmm. like, for the money. But at some point, you know, they're just not going to do that. So they were already no, paying not. RDJ entirely too much money. Um, but, uh, you know, though they're, though the rumors are, I uh, know. No. <laughs> another, another, uh, another Scrooge McDuck pool for RDJ. Yeah. Um, who I like, I'm okay. Can we just talk like two seconds? Like a weird random thing. I'm very concerned about him. Like he looks like Chad did. At the end, yeah. like you know, like how we we all kind of were like, "What's wrong with Chad? Why is he so thin? Is he working on a role or something?" Yeah. And then we come to find out, like, I have you seen him recently? Yeah, I I, you, I I I saw him and I was like, "That does not look like Robert Downey Jr., man." No, it doesn't, right? Like, yeah, and and it's just like I'm like, oh man, like I get concerned. I'm like, oh please, let it just be some weird. Some weird vegan, clean, like, you know, like Tom Brady diet. Like, you know, yeah. where, like, you know, like Tom Brady has a farm that he has and he produces his own yeah. food. A, <laughs> like, a, like, fuck that dude. Such a, <laughs> <laughs> oh, down with the Brady. Um, <laughs> and then next, and then, you know, what would be hilarious? Like, like a football corner would be if Brady's not, like, everybody says Brady's not signing with the Bucks. It would be hilarious if he went to Atlanta. Like I'm just I, I I would I couldn't watch him, man. I couldn't watch. Him. <laughs> I know it would be the first time. I mean, there have been seasons where I've like just been pop in, be like, "Yep, still sucking," and pop out. 
Um, but yes. this would be the first season in a very long time where I was just like, not watching a game. I don't care what they do. I don't care if they go to the uh, Super Bowl. I'm not watching that <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> getting back to getting back to like the the Mandalorian and all of it. Um, I feel like it's in their best interest. Like going back to what your original question was, I feel like it's in their best interest to keep Pedro Pascal happy. Yeah, because uh, in a lot of ways, like he's like it, it's it's him. Like he makes the Mandalorian work as much as Filoni and like Favreau set the table for him. If it's in another person's hands, I'm not sure if it works. Also, like, it's it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, it benefits, like, each benefits one another, right? Like, yeah. The Last of Us benefits from Pedro Pascal being in Star Wars as much as Star Wars benefits from uh, Pedro Pascal being in The Last of Us. So I feel like this is one of those things where Kathy Kennedy can kind of like go, oh, this is a right choice. Like, let's yeah. not fuck this up. And yeah. I hope that that's what the case is. Um, though I was thinking about it and I'm like, you know, Pascal has been on the small screen for so, like, I mean, he's one of our first, like, if we really think about it, he's one of our first pandemic superstars. Yeah. And a, a streaming star. Like, he's like, literally, like, I would, I would say, like, the work that he's doing, it, like, between everything that he's done is kind of like on par with, like, like a streaming version of Harrison Ford, right? Like, so he's yeah. like this huge star. How does he make the leap to the big screen? I mean, and I would have thought Star that, that he, I, well, I would have hoped that he had a breakout success, which, I mean, I guess it was successful, his movie last year, but just yeah. not in the, the way it, it was not, like it, it didn't make five hundred million dollars, you know. No, it did not. But <clears throat> it was, uh, it it landed on a lot of like favorite lists, you know. So, mm -hmm. uh, it, and if you haven't seen the unbearable weight of massive talent, then like you need to go and see it. Yeah. Um, but it's such a different role, right? Like, it's such a, <laughs> it's such a like a a beautifully like 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 comedic like he's basically the he's basically the manic pixie dream girl in a in a romantic comedy where like two dudes fall in love but they don't really like you know it's like it's butch and sundance where like nick cage finds refines his nick cage-ness through pedro pascal's character um, yeah. and it's a wonderful role um but it's not like it's not like the last of us or the Mandalorian where he's leading the, he's leading the movie. I feel like it's a good way to get into movies, but it's like, what's his next move? Does I honestly would love to see if I would love to see him in star. Like I would love to see Mandalorian on the big screen. Like I would oh, love to see too. something, something that they could <clears throat> do that would allow them to make a star Wars film with these characters like in a like make a transition to an avenger style kind of like trilogy with the world that feloni has created and maybe they're working towards that maybe they are taking the the lessons of um kevin feige and stuff and seeing how that they can transition this in their own way 
to something that's more accumulative. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm just happy we're getting our Rogue Squadron movie again. So, uh, uh, um, to transition a little bit yeah. off of, but staying with HBO Max, huh? did you follow through with watching any more Velma? <laughs> no, I did not, because fuck that. I, I, I just had, okay, so like. I mean, I'm officially done, man. Yeah, like, I'm done. Like, I thought about it, and then, okay, so it leads to another conversation, but did you watch it? I, I so I guess they're dropping them two episodes at a time, which sure I'm sorry does not bode well, does well, not bode well. Yeah, yeah no. um, you know, a- airing off episodes as quickly as possible does not bode well. Um, so I, I I was like, you know what, I I wasn't all in on Harley from the jump. I had to give it several episodes. Episodes, um, yeah, and. I said, I'm going to give this, like, it's two episodes. I'm going to watch these two episodes. And I I actually read an article where uh, somebody was like, here's what's wrong with Velma. And it it made a really good point. The the problem, the biggest problem with the show is that Mm -hmm. it's extremely insulting to its audience. Like... It, it, shit, it, right. it says, like, this yeah. chip, the immediate chip on its shoulder about, like, you're not going to like what we're doing, so we're just going to be shitty about it. You know? like Yes, that's true. It's, like, condescending in the worst way possible. Yeah. And, and yeah. I was like, yeah, that, that, that is exactly right. And it, does, it doesn't change, like. The next two episodes don't change that at all. Um, They just keep towing that line. And I'm like, I can't, like, you know, it's, you know, for for whatever they want to say, like, we want to be, we don't want to insult the characters. Like, I would rather you be insulting to the characters in the universe of Scooby-Doo than poke fun at how kind of goofy and stupid that is than... Like be insulting to me as a viewer. Like I'm yes. tuning in to watch your show, and you're mocking me for watching your show. Like ha ha ha. Yeah, you were gonna hate this all along. You're an idiot. Like no man. Like it, it needed to be more like the Venture Brothers. Like, yes. Which takes yes. all of these like old tropes from like Hanna Barbera comic books. Like they pull from everything. Yeah. And mocks them to a degree that that is it it's funny and it's engaging. And this does not have this. Like it's just mocking its audience for for watching it. And I'm like, eh, I'm not. I'm just not. I'm not gonna do that. I'm just. I'm so yeah. I'm I'm completely out. Yeah. No. I. I and you're talking about it like just doubles down for me my thoughts about it and then like you saying that article like that kind of puts a light onto exactly my feelings towards the like like my inarticulate feelings towards the show um because like i couldn't put an like i couldn't put a a pulse on it and that's what it is it's the fact that it's insulting me for liking something or wanting to give something a chance you know because my love of my love of mysteries 
doesn't come from like Clue. It came from watching Scooby Doo a yeah, whole Scooby-Doo. bunch as a kid. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, and... Scooby Doo was my jam, man. Like, I especially a pup named Scooby Doo. Like, I oh, wow, yeah, I, I loved that show growing up. Like, I, I thought it was the right kind of irreverent for for the age that I was at. Um, you know, it it made it made me understand like red herrings and like yes, the the misdirects and like all like it just it it was great and i you know i have always 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 enjoyed scooby-doo like even the we talked about this last week the james gunn movies uh that kind of poke fun at the concept in general like i don't mind that so um but but gunn you can tell loves these characters loves them like he he has a love for Shaggy and Scooby. Like he has like yes, it's making fun of the conventions, but I feel like both of the films never like never fully go where Velma goes in the insulting of not just the audience but the characters. Like there's always like I don't know, it's just it's a weird it's a weird situation with Velma because I like the creatives, but I'm just like Okay, so obviously you don't like the these characters. Yeah. Why did you sign on the dotted line? Like, I want to. I like Mindy Kaling. Did you? Are were you literally that broke from not uh, from like like your office your office residuals residuals weren't enough? I I don't know because it's are like, just pissed about something because it's just it's like it's made so angrily. <laughs> like I don't yes. I just don't get it, man. Like, what are you ang- angry about? Like, I, there's a lot to be angry about, but, like, do you want people to... Are you just trying to piss everybody off? Like, because yeah. this is kind of how you do that. <laughs> so no, no, that is exactly what they do. Um, yeah. Uh, God. And then I heard, I was reading something that it officially has one of the lowest IMDb scores for an animated series. Um, based off of like I think ten thousand reviews or something like that. Yeah, like it's, it's like it, the people that want to like the show can't find anything to like about the show. Yeah, you know how how bad is that? Where you actively like like this is like a this, like you're like people are wanting to watch this right or willing to give it a chance and more so because you're involved, but then you smack them in the fucking face over this. Like, oh, you like this? Well, I'm going to smack you in the face and go, I hate you. I hate you yeah. for liking this. I'm I'm the creative, but I'm going to make sure that you hate this. And I'm not going to make sure that everybody doesn't like this. Like, like you know what? L- why don't we do a trade? Why don't we take this Velma series? Why don't, Zaz, why don't you write it off and give me back my fucking Looney Tunes? Yeah. How about that? <laughs> huh? I bet you Zaz loves this cartoon. I bet I, you this I mean... is his favorite thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's it's yeah, it's just it's so bad, and I, yeah, I, I'm so I, I don't know, I'm so ready for the drama with Warner Brothers to just be over. Like whatever his ultimate goal is, I wish it would just be realized, and we would just be done with the bullshit. Yeah. Um. So uh, 
there's something else we both watched. Well, maybe two things. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, if you, two things. It, okay. Yeah, I did. I did. I got. I got three. I. I I didn't go whole hog like you did, but I did. I definitely fucking got. I so, got three episodes in. Um, uh, what do you want to hit first? Um, let's hit the one that I feel like. I feel like I have a little bit more to say on the critical side, which is Night Court. Okay. We both watched Night Court. Um, two, another and, two episode premiere. Yes. Right? Um, yes. NBC and Peacock um, have decided to re reboot Night Court um, with Melissa Rauch as Abby Stone, Harry Stone, aka um, Harry. Uh, good lord, what Harry Anderson's daughter, or like Harry, like you know, the daughter of Harry Anderson's character is like you know uh comes to ju- i have a lot of questions why don't i let let you talk about a little bit more about this because you actually like we've talked about previous episodes uh, we're doing was doing a night court rewatch yeah and i'm, I'm still i've got about 80 episodes left <laughs> that oh, show shit. ran for a long time man. <laughs> it really um, did and that, this really is back in the like 20 you know, five, 26, 28 episodes, like seasons. So, um, yeah, so I've got quite a few episodes left. Um, I, I, it's weird because I, I think the show is a perfect, like recapture of what made the original so very good. I I think Mm -hmm. it's a little weird, like to have, you know, the kid come in and, because it's not like a sheriff of a small town. <laughs> like, this no, is a judge not. in New York City. Um, so, and, and it, it's also weird because there's a lot of talk about nepotism lately. So, this show is literally like she's a nepo baby. Um, although, exactly. it doesn't, it doesn't like lean into that. Like, she very clearly is a character that can hold her own. Um, like, she has the education and the... You know, she has the the means. She didn't get the judge job because of Harry. Um, yeah. You know, it 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 does a really really solid job of reestablishing that world, making it making sure you know it's kind of the same but kind of different. Um, because uh, like the original show was as raunchy as it could be in its yes. time slot. Like, it yes. never crossed any major, major lines, but it definitely pushed the envelope, uh, you know, and, and dealt with, like, a lot of the people that uh, Harry uh, saw were prostitutes. Or, yep. or, sex workers. Yeah, sex workers. Uh, um, you know, flashers, uh, uh, muggers. Uh, you know, it was, like, people that... Low-end criminals. Yeah. That that you know, a lot of people would just look their nose down at, um, and you know he was always about like still giving them a fair shake, like listening to their side of the story, and that's something she kind of like brings true. Um, I was really worried about the Dan of it all because that is a character I don't think you can really get away with in the modern era. Because oh, he's no. such a horn dog, and I'm like, so really, he's the only one you, him and Bull, uh, maybe Roz. Well, th- well, they're the only three alive, 
but yeah he's the main main character you actually can bring back so the decision to bring him back is like but how do you make him different and i i think they do a decent enough job establishing why he's different you know beyond yes. just like he's older um i loved his introduction I thought it was so yes. fucking funny. I'm like, he's working at a coffee shop? And then it's just like, hey, aren't you so-and-so? Here, you've been served. Where the hell you been? <laughs> I've been working this bullshit job for three weeks to serve you papers. Like, I, I thought it was <laughs> like, that's a perfect Dan kind of thing. Um, and shows he's a little bit more wily and less, uh, less uh, I guess, like he was wily in the original series, but... His wiliness was always determined by, like, trying to get in bed with women. And this was yes. like, what if he took that and turned it towards, like, yeah, I'm kind of over that part of my life. Now I'm just, you know, now it's all about, like, living comfortably or something like that. Um, and and she, and to reestablish him as a public defender and not a prosecuting attorney, like, it'll take that character on a journey that he's never been before because he, he very much hates people like that. That's yes. his beyond like he's a horn dog. That was his establishing thing in the original series. It's like, he doesn't like anybody like unless he can sleep with them. <laughs> and then it's only to the extent that he can sleep with them. So I, I really think it does a good job of capturing the original and also tilting it on its head. The weird thing is you watch a show, an old show like Night Court. Um, mm. And what doesn't really bother me is the laugh track. Like it wasn't a show filmed mm. before an audience. So a laugh track is added. When you watch older shows like that, I guess because it, it you're not watching it in this like super high def format. Um it just it's not bothersome and it's a little distracting in this show it really is on uh it 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 shows the okay so it basically it, it really does box it in into a situational comedy thing without a live audience like we were actually texting about this about the laugh track and you were right like a hundred percent it's really distracting um because i don't need to be told when to fucking laugh like that's the thing is that i don't need to be told that um especially with something like this which is a it's little, always the like, little laughs that bother me like the big yes. uproarious moments i'm like okay but like when somebody makes like a little an aside and it's just like like they don't add the snickers man like i don't need the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I don't need that every thirty seconds. Just, just stop. Um, yeah, that okay. So, I like the show. I like the promise of the show. Like, okay, so don't get me wrong. I'm gonna be. I'm. I'm in the bag. My wife isn't. Like, she was like, "This is too much." Like the Connors. Like, like we watched one episode. Yeah, I of love the Connors. The Connors. Okay, um, uh, we watched it. We watched while well, Roseanne was on, <laughs> so yeah. it was like this very weird, tenuous thing. And so it was like, I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm not built for sitcoms. Maybe I'm not built for the live studio audience sitcoms, right? Because it's kind of, but they're doing the hybrid thing. But for this, I'm definitely on board. I want to see where it goes. Um, okay, so the thing that I had the problem with wasn't the Nepo stuff, but it's Nepo adjacent. 
which is the like I understand it was only two episodes, but if they like my thing is is like okay. I okay, I understand that this is a new audience, so you have to kind of ram it home that she like her dad was this great guy, but like, it can't be every episode, and that's what it fucking has been. And they're like, okay, so like I mean, I'm okay. only two episodes, so I, I'm yes. I'm hoping, holding out hope. But I'm with you there. If this is a fucking like, hey, y'all know that Harry Anderson died, right? Y'all remember he died? Yeah. If it's every episode, like that's that's gonna be a bit much. The the Connors references Roseanne passing away twice a season, maybe, you know. Okay. And I think that that's fair. Like, it's fair that, like, you know, Dan or whoever, one of the kids will run into an old friend that they haven't seen Mm -hmm. in a while. And they'll say, I was really sorry to hear about your mom. You know, because having experienced that in real life, that's what happens. Like, you know, you're in the grocery store, you run into somebody you haven't seen in five years. They're like, oh, my God, I was so sorry to hear about your brother passing away, you know, and it's like, well, that was two years ago, man. Like, not that I'm not still reeling from it because I am, but like, it's not something I think about all the time, like every second of the day. You're like, oh, thanks. I'm going to go buy the chicken nuggets now and cry my fucking ass off. Thank you, fucking guy. (laughs) The show cannot do do that because I, I don't think. That, that it has to establish its own thing because if it's just all about like oh yeah Harry because I, I would imagine they're probably going to get into Christine at some point she's also passed away um, yes. so well, you know okay. Mac has also passed away um, you know it, it, it's three of the main cast members have died and like if you make that the focus of the show it's it's not it's not going to stand on its own legs you know no it really isn't it really isn't um i okay so the things i do like i'm on i'm on the okay i like melissa roush from like i like her i like her comedically um i like her in that show that we're not going to talk about because i don't like that show um (laughs) but i like her in it like i've never like there's so many people from that show that have come out of that show that I really like when they do work that isn't like Kaylee Cuco, of course, like, like I'm on, I'm on the Kaylee Cuco boat boat with like, you know, her two shows. Like I love her like reemergence as a different kind of actor. Um, But Roush is in the same wheelhouse. I'm okay with it. Like she played a completely different character. I'm, I'm waiting and holding. Because a lot of, like you said, a lot of her stuff was all about, like, you know, like, let's make sure that, like, the first two episodes, it's like, her whole sole role is, let's make sure that Harry Anderson is appropriately and properly put on the pedestal of Night Court as he is the guy, and isn't it great? Don't we miss him? Like, okay, that's fine. It would almost make more sense if you could watch the original show on Peacock as, like... A driving point of like, hey, we can get people to go stream this from yes. us. But like, you can't watch it on Peacock. You nope. can watch it on Freebie, but you know, which maybe they get some kind of licensing off of. But you're not driving people to your 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 content on your site. <laughs> you know, no. like so it, it feels 
at some point it's going to feel weird if you just keep talking about it. <laughs> absolutely. Um, no, absolutely. The guy, like, okay, so he produced it. He was the he was the driving force. He's the voiceover in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the brilliant and and perfect John Larroquette. Like everything that he did in the show, the way they set him up, the big like things of like he like you know the reason why he's no longer a horn dog is very implied. But he had somebody. He lost somebody. Um, it changed him in a great in a big way. I'm almost certain that it's going to be something about COVID that like, you know, that this is the, the, the reason why he lost his wife or his whatever his lady love was that found him that changed him. Because the big the big thing in the show is the reveal that, yeah, he's a process server, but somehow he through the processing serving, like whenever he does it. The and I love that they make a joke out of it uh, because it kind of deflates it, but it also like you know you never forget it is that he helps out every single person that he gives, uh, uh, like he serves papers to, and he does it for free. And there's that kind of ticking moment of where you go, this motherfucker used to not do anything for anybody, especially if you've watched the show. What happened? Yeah. Like, I love the fact that in 20 years he has evolved and changed. He has gone from this, like, you know, he's gone from this guy who thought of himself as a slick catty cat to a guy who on the secret, on the low, low, get off my lawn. But not really. I'm I, I care about people and I don't want to see people get eaten up by the system. Um, I think it's part of like the whole thing of like the the, the beautiful notion that he is going to be a public defender. Right. And yeah. that's probably the reason why he does it. Um, once they get to the public defending, like. There's a lot of shoe leather to get to the point of what I love about Night Court, which is the Night Court. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not until the second episode. Yes. And, and and I'm glad that they did two episodes because if it was just that one damn episode, I would have been like, come on, really, guys? Why not just make it a whole pilot, a 45-minute pilot? Like, you know, one and two. But either way, um, once they start getting to the public defending, I feel like that's where it soared for me. because. It was all about like Night Court for me was like kind of like Cheers, where it was like the main action was always at the bar or at the court, right? And you learned yeah. so much about these people. And like, I'll be honest with you, that's how that's what I learned about like with court. Like, I didn't learn from fucking Matlock or a few good men. That was all bullshit, right? Like, Night Court was like, and then when I finally went to court, like and I got a traffic ticket when I was like, I think I was 18 when I forgot my first traffic ticket and I had to go. I was like, holy shit, this is night court. This yeah. literally is like the way that court works. And so once they got there, everything worked for me. I laughed. I, I, I was amused. I liked the character development. I liked all of that. It just, it took so long to get there. Like I felt like it took so long. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, the pilot does what pilots do. It's establishing. It, it's not, I don't think it's a solid pilot. Um, I, I think it's the second episode that really shines, even though, yes, yes. 100%, they could lose uh, at least 60% of the laugh track. Um, and, you know, it's weird because like I said, you watch old shows. I mean, I, honestly, that '90s show does it too. Laugh track. Yes. Like it, yes. it is 
and it makes me it has me curious about like can we handle a old-fashioned sitcom anymore like is that something we as a society can stomach long term like short term like if it's 10 episode seasons like with that that 90 show like yeah, yeah i'm sure we can stomach it like people will be like oh it's great or like could you watch 22 episodes of a show with a laugh track now like and i say that knowing that it wasn't that long ago that we still had those traditional shows but like the emergence of the non laugh track stuff is like almost every other half hour comedy there are very few that use laugh tracks are are filmed in front of a a live audience for the laughter like very very few you know like the the most popular sitcoms comedy shows on television now do not have that no you know yeah abbott elementary does not have that (laughs) you know um i'm gonna say something very controversial like i feel like we're the reason why we can't have these mini uh these mini live theater things anymore because that's what they were sitcoms like multicam which is like you know in front of a live studio audience like the show that we we talked about that will not be named which is actually filmed in front of a live studio audience um is was is gone because of the office yeah the office the office put the nail there and then something like parks and rec and then Abbott Elementary with their multicam pseudo document faux documentary. Thank you. This is Spinal Tap. <laughs> um, kind of put the nail in the coffin because that's what people ex- expect from comedy now. I feel like on TV is that single cam, like let's let's go to like let let's make it a doc a pseudo documentary where people can talk to the camera and shit. I yeah, always I mean, wonder if been... could have. So many. I did just. There have been so many. Like, so I'm. I'm. I'll. Run, I'll just googled single camera comedies. I'll just yeah. run down the list: Thirty Rock, Community, Modern Family, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine Nine, New Girl, It's Always Sunny, Scrubs, uh, Blackish, uh, uh, well, yeah, um, all, yeah, all that whole sp- mixed dish. Their their yeah. whole spinoff thing. Uh, Superstore. Fresh off the boat. Uh, yeah, fresh yep. off the boat. Um, these are ones that that have lasted a while. A sports night. Uh, while it is a much older show, st- yep. uh, is notable. Oh, I love that. Started with a laugh track, then and, dropped it and dropped it. Yes. Um. So I was going to ask you because, like, feel like Night Court is like. I'm glad that you brought that one up. Don't you feel like Night like Night Court would be better if they dropped the laugh track and they made it a single cam? Because there's something about it. Like if you're not going to film it in front of a live studio audience, I almost want it to be. I, like I a think it would have docu- been. A, yeah, it would have been a very interesting experiment to make and, a, a Night Court single cam comedy. Yeah, I, I think that would would have been great. Um, I think they were trying to stay true to the original. Yeah. Yeah. And and probably for their detriment in that aspect. But, but here's the thing. Once, like I said, once it gets to the court and it becomes a theater, 
Because, I mean, like, to me, that's, like, I don't know why, but it just feels like, like, whenever you have a single cam show, um, whenever you get to the point to where the, 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 the main stage is, i.e. with friends with Monica's apartment, um, night court, where the court actually happens, when you get to that, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. And not the other places, right? And so for the 90s, that 90s show, my biggest gripe is it takes so long to get to the basement. Again. Yeah. And then... (laughs) So it's weird, right? So they start out in a different damn basement. (laughs) Yes, which is hilarious. Okay, let's let's go ahead. I, I feel like... Well, we're going to go ahead and follow up on Night Court because we both like it. Like, I know that I had some kind of reservations, but I'm on the board for it. Like, I'm on the uh, I'm on the train for it. So we're going to kind of follow. We'll probably more than likely follow up in another couple of episodes. Give it some room to breathe. Um, I think it's it, is it more than five episodes? Because all I can uh, see is that it's five episodes. Um, IMDb lists nine episodes. Okay, um, but they don't have names for all nine episodes. But um, okay, yeah, I think five are on the schedule. But by the fifth episode, we'll be hitting like March sweeps era. Okay, so okay. There'll, there'll probably be a break in there because March is always weird for television. Like yes, it is. Come, they come back in February and then they take another break in March for network TV. Always baffled me as a kid, but whatever. Um, <laughs> um, but like, yeah, let's get back to, let's get to, um, that 70s show, which, or I'm sorry, that 90s show. Um, I really dug this. Like I, I've only watched three episodes. Um, the last one that I, I ended with was the Fez episode. Yeah. It's a good, yeah, it's a good, uh, good place. Like I, the way they... I thought it was a little weird that they bring uh, Jackie and Kelso and um, Eric and Donna Donna. in on one episode. Episode, Like, did they bookend an episode? Like, I don't know why they didn't spread that out a little bit more. Um, But that is what it is. Um, I, I, I think that they do a good job of not relying too heavily on uh all of that um i think the kids are all wonderful and they like, really are perfectly awkward slash funny um <clears throat> I, it really does hammer home the point that like at some point as great as the kids were in the original show uh douchebag aside um mm-hmm. It really just became like the comedy was Red and Kitty. Like, Red and Kitty, yes. I mean, they're just, it, they're so good, man. And he still Kurt, got it. He still Kurt got Wood, it. Fucking Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Joe Rubb. Uh, like, I feel like Bonnie Turner um, really kind of just was like, you know what? I want to give these guys their roses. And really kind of like set it up. And I don't know after this, but it feels like their center stage as much as the kids are. Yeah. Which I fucking love. Like Red to me, like when Kurtwood Smith, like I hate saying this, but when Kurtwood Smith goes at the end of the day, like I'm going to remember him for both RoboCop and Red. Like Red is 
Red is really like like the like he's like for us, he's like Archie Bunker, right? Like he is like the Archie Bunker of our of like our like you know like when we were watching like you know sitcoms and stuff. And Red was like the dad that was the real dad. Like he was the guy that like like at least for me, like when I watched it, I was like, that's my dad and my grandpa. Like in a lot yeah. of ways, and like you know, I'm gonna kick your ass. I'm gonna show you tough love. Uh, but it's brilliant. Like he hasn't lost a step and neither has she like, they're just kind of great. Like just yeah. great. Like as, like you said, as good as, as the young cast is, they like, they are even better and they kind of lead the ship in a way that I'm glad that they didn't make Eric and Donna that because like watching, watching Grace and Pepperon do this it was weird because it was like, I don't know, like Topher Grace was on a, a break from his his other show, it felt like. And then yeah. Hebron, it it felt like for her, it all it felt like to me, it was like, I direct movies and TV and I'm a more behind the scenes person now. I don't want to be here. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. And uh, whereas like like Kutcher and Clunas were having at the time of their life. Like uh, I yeah. want to see them like seven more times. Yeah, that they that that was fun. Like it, it was Jackie. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, you know, and at some point, I mean, even with the original show, Eric and Donna like became. I mean, really kind of like after season one, like I was uninterested yeah. in those characters, other than like bare minimum like the fun mm -hmm. was always in the like the mismatched pairings or, or like you know kelso being kelso and jackie's you know weird like relationship hopping and it, like that that and really red and kitty and the stuff with the dumbass next door um <laughs> Which they 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 do that again with this show, different dumbass next door, but which let me yes. say, I, not enough can be said about her as an actress. Um, uh, shit, hold on. Uh, God, what is her name? I, it's, it's killing me because uh, Andrea Anders. Oh um, yes. Who plays the next door neighbor? I'm like, uh, yes. it's the, I, I know her. Um, but uh, she is somebody who doesn't get enough credit. I've had a like small crush on her since probably the first thing I really, really remember in was Better Off Ted, a, a show that yes. did not get the, the love it deserved when it was on the air. Um, but like anything she's ever shown up in, like I've just loved. Um, you know, she's Ted's uh, wife in Ted Lasso, and yes. we see her for like one episode, and I'm like, oh god, I love her so much. Um, and, and she shows up in a lot of places, but uh, I don't think we've ever seen her play a character like this. <laughs> no, we really haven't. Um, which is kind of great, like. She, like, what I loved about the show, like, what I loved about the show is that, like, in the three episodes that I watched, they very quickly established all of the characters and kind of got it to the, like, by the end of the pilot, 
and you hear that what the concept is like which i loved i like if you give me like summer vacations for every single year that this fucking thing's gonna be on i'll be in the back for it like you know like like high school like she comes like you know she goes uh to visit her her like you know her friends in wisconsin um i loved it like i love that kind of concept because it gives it doesn't have to do anything with school it doesn't have to do anything with like you know any of that kind of nonsense it all has to do with just hanging out having fun and like all of the drama that ensues because the kids are there because what i love about the show is that even red and kitty whenever they're involved in something it's always something like it's something like and this is the thing that i loved about that 70s show is that it always started and it was rooted from something that happened with the kids and that's yeah. what I loved about it because it's a family show that isn't a family show that I feel like – and what my chip on my shoulder about Modern Family is is that it took – I felt like it took a lot of the dynamics of how things work um, in that 70s show, like with the kids getting the adults involved in things and kind of made its bread and butter off of that without ever kind of saying, oh, you know what? Love to that 70s show, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I love that concept. And I love the fact that, like, these kids are different than, with the exception of Le- uh, Leia, which. <sighs> yeah, I could have done without, without the name. Like, I, yeah, I and, know he's such a big Star Wars fan, but, like, yes. it, it's such a, it's, such, it's, it's easy. That, that's the thing yes. that bothers me about it, is it's, it's a very easy pull that, of course, he named this kid Leia. Like, you know. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, it it would have been funnier if she wasn't named Leia and like he insisted on calling or like her middle name's Leia, but she's like, no, we're like, I don't go by that, Dad. Stop calling me my yeah. middle name or something like that. Instead, we get the Leia Tatooine Foreman joke, which is, it kind of just falls flat. Um, you know, but I do like Kitty. I do like Kitty calling her Lele. Like I, yeah. I, I hope that becomes a thing because like Leia just it, it, it twitches me. Like it literally twitches me. I'm like, what why are you doing this? What like stop with the Star Wars jokes? Like I know that sounds weird coming from a Star Wars fan who who like continually talks about Star Wars, but there's yeah. the obvious jokes. They're the obvious and I don't want the obvious, but her and Jay are the only two that feel like they're direct. Descent, I mean, because they are direct descendants of the 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 people that they're supposed to be replacing. Yeah. What I love, what I loved was like G- Gwen, Ozzy, um, and who's the um Nikki were new. all these kind of new characters, right? Yeah. Like they weren't like like yeah. new versions of Hyde and Fez, and like yes, it was just just different character archetypes like they are not you know just carbon copies of those previous characters um yeah i I really really like that yeah and i like that they did not like which i'm i'm i i I have to wonder what the fuck um i loved the fact that they did not uh pull away from the the weed jokes yeah um though they never some weird editing in the first I think is it in the first episode where we get the yes. first 
there's like yes. these weird edits in there. I was like, what is happening? Like there's some um, aspect ratio changes. Yes. And I'm, I, I don't it even caught me off guard, but it doesn't happen in the rest of the series. No, it doesn't. It definitely doesn't. Though I will say the Donkey Kong joke made me yeah. fucking laugh. It's pretty uh, funny. <laughs> well, it was like multi-layered, right? Like the first, the, the setup for it is hilarious because you know it's like, why is he a monkey? Why is he a gorilla when his name I'm, is Donkey? I am a hundred percent sure <laughs> that that is a joke from the original series. Oh, really? Okay, I have. Yes. The, I have the. I have the. Okay, so like they released it on a DVD on Blu-ray. Um, and it was on sale for like 20 bucks. The entire fucking 12 year run or 10 year run of that 70 show was on for 20 bucks. And I was like, you know what? 20 bucks is 20 bucks. It's like, I yeah. spent $30 on Brooklyn nine, nine. And like, I tell you guys, physical media, you have to go this way, especially with your favorites, because like we're seeing now, there are certain shows that you like, I'm still waiting for moonlighting to come out. When the fuck is my moonlighting? Like blu-ray dvd gonna come out anyways just to say buy buy uh, buy physical media i can always go i i want to go back and watch it just because it's like a great like we've talked about like comfort stuff like we haven't gotten to comfort tv shows but that 70s show um i don't know what it's going to be like now because of some of the more troubling aspects of certain assholes that were on the show but it was a comfort like it's like you know it was always on fox on like reruns or like or TNT and reruns and you know so anywho um I don't often wonder like if there are because the same creatives are involved um I wonder if there's like some of the stuff is like recall jokes um but just done in a slightly different manner so yeah I, um not to not to jump back to um uh Night Court but like Night Court it's not a joke in Night Court it's a dramatic mm-hmm. moment but there is a episode in the first season of Night Court where uh, something happens in a case and Harry, like, just gets beside himself. He walks away from the bench and, like, just he's done. Like, he's like, I can't yeah. do this anymore. Um, and and it's pretty dramatic. And they find him shooting pool at a pool hall. And... Uh, they're all like, you got to come back, sir. Like, you know, you make such a difference. And then he's just like, I can't do it anymore. So they, everybody leaves except Dan and Dan who who can't do anything heartfelt in front of anybody else tells Harry, like, like gives him this, this speech about like why you have to keep doing this. And Abby in the first or I guess it's the first episode maybe um, mm-hmm. going through her dad's old stuff has a pool ball and that's what she gives to John Larroquette uh, to Dan and is like mm-hmm. do you know what this is from and it is a direct reference to that episode and so it's callbacks like that like that's the things you need to focus on like and for that 90s show like callback jokes like that like I am I would bet you money. Uh, it's streaming somewhere, but I don't remember where. Maybe on Peacock? Um, that in probably in the first season with them getting stoned, somebody says, probably Kelso, why is he called Don- Donkey Kong if he's a monkey? Or something to that effect. <laughs> like, I would bet you money that that's a joke from an early episode of that 70s show. And it's such a perfect 
callback, but also references the reemergence of that character at that time. Yeah, because it it was for a a good like not decade, but seven eight years. I mean, Donkey Kong was kind of a lost character. Like it's Donkey Kong Country, like really pulled that character back into like the upper echelon of Nintendo's like IP. You know? Yep. Um, no, absolutely, absolutely. So, and... so it's like a multi-tiered joke that really like can be enjoyed if you don't know, but like people like us that lived it know, like, oh yeah, that's <laughs> like Donkey Kong Country. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um. And also, yes, you are correct. It's on Peacock. All eight okay. seasons. 200 episodes. Jesus, 200 episodes, man. Yeah. But I mean, 30 second, 30, uh, 30, 30 minute single cam, 22 episodes back in the day, uh, 22 to 28 episodes, uh, uh, you know, back in the day, I guess, you know, 200 is a lot, but uh, 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 the, the keg is the keg is 100% yes. a reference oh, yes. to a first season. Uh, episode. I think it's the first episode that's, it? that's the reference. Yes, I'm okay. fairly certain. I'm fairly certain that that's what the episode that they're referencing is the first season's episodes. Uh, so, so yeah, no, that definitely is. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm on. I'm in the back. Like it's it's a great like. I love the the, the young cast. Like I cannot as, as stress this enough. Like even the like even the Jay Kelso kid. Like all these kids are like great. Like. They're just great, like, they're great kids, but they also got, like, fairly good, accurate, like, fairly good comedic timing that's only going to get better if the show continues on. Yeah, so it seems to be, uh, I know we're only a few days into it, but it seems yeah. to be to be a hit. Um, it's been uh, number one on their uh, uh, little thing when you log on, mm -hmm. uh, almost since right after it premiered, so... Oh, wow. Um, okay. And I don't think Netflix has another big... They might have a movie uh, or two premiering. Um, and you never know what's going to wind up on the cert. Well, I mean, you can dig in and find out. Something that they didn't produce could wind up, you know, uh, yeah. dropping and, and like, really um, emerging. But, like, I don't think Netflix produced series. I, I don't think they have another big drop for them until... The next season of you which i think is in february yeah it, it drops uh, uh i think it drops on um on valentine's day which i'm not on board with that show. like i i watch. watched like three or four episodes of the first season i was like yeah this is <laughs> it's not for me like I, I don't begrudge anybody what they want to watch but it's just not for me i think he's a fine actor and like there's been a lot of like speculation and rumors that he could be like the Marvel's uh, answer to who's going to play Reed Richards. I don't think it's a bad choice. I think there are better choices, but I don't think it's a bad choice. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm not a you guy. I know plenty of people that were just like, I love this show. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. It just wasn't for me. Um, yeah, no, no, absolutely. It definitely is not for me um like at all in any way shape or form so you know i mean and like here's the best like like to me like let, let's have a, this conversation where i think you and i both subscribe to the same thing which is you don't have to watch everything all the time 
yeah. when it premieres. There's just not enough time to do it. Like you have to make your selections, right? You have to like go with your taste just because something is a big hit. doesn't mean that you have to watch it right away. Like, I don't know. It, it's, it's a, it's a, I would argue those are the ones you don't have to watch right away. <laughs> like if everybody else is watching it, unless you're yeah. like fully on board with it. Like, I, I mean, prime example is I talked about louder milk last week, which I finished. Yes. Um, Oh, okay. Uh, it's so good. Uh, I, 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 all 30 episodes in a week. <laughs> uh, Damn. Um, yeah, I, I could not stop watching it. I'm going to rewatch it. That That's how much I enjoyed it. Um, ironically, ironically, I got my, um, I got, I got, uh, I got my screening invite, uh, even though it doesn't come out till March 10th, I got my screening invite for, um, uh, Farley's, uh, Bobby Farley's champions, which we, we talked about, uh, yeah. I think we talked about offline, um, which is the Woody Harrelson. No, we talked about it online. We talked about it here because we talked about the ringer being one of my favorite, like one of my favorite Farley stuff because of louder milk. So like the louder milk, uh, like the, the louder milk echoes continue on. Um, <laughs> it is on my queue, by the way, I, I am going to, I am going to get to it. But um, to your point, like chance. there's so much stuff to watch and it's only by happenstance that I was like, what is this? And I clicked <laughs> on it and was like, oh, that seems interesting. And put it on while I was kind of working on something and then mm-hmm. got just pulled into it and was like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. all in on this show. And it was on for three seasons and I didn't know that it existed. Of course, it didn't help that it was on a network that I like, I don't even remember the name of the network it was on, but it doesn't exist anymore. So the third season only exists because when the network folded, uh, Amazon bought the show <laughs> so and aired the third season in uh 2020 so <clears throat> but uh it, it's uh yeah it it there is entire there's so much tv to watch um i so I, I i'm kind of enjoying the reemergence of sitcoms but i mm-hmm. it, like we talked about it is very much like the laugh track thing is become a problem. And I don't know, I don't know how you fix it because like if, if you're creating those kinds of shows, part of kind of part of the charm is the, the laugh. And some of these, you just can't film in front of an audience, you know? No, you really can't. So no, not at all. Like, like that, that's the problem is, is that like, we're in an era now where filming in front of a live studio audience can be very reckless if it's not done right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we see it, we see it now. I mean, it's a very regular thing on late night TV. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, it's, it's a very, it's very tenuous thing. Um, so you can't do it, but also, um, like, like you've like you know like I think that the postulation is is the sitcom is it is it is it dead like not in but the not the single cam but the multi cam is it dead because do, like does it all, need to die <laughs> like does it need to die yeah exactly because these are not like these are not traditional multi cams these are like hybrids right like what yeah. we're talking about is hybrids be, and 
like the laugh track. I don't know, man. I, I just wish they'd get different laugh tracks because it's the same laugh track everybody uses. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, most it, of those people are dead. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like the fucking Willem scream. Like, let's retire the, like, you know, let's bring it back every once in a while. But for the most part, let's just kill it, right? Yeah. Let's just be done with it. Um, Let old things die, as some movie said once. So I can't remember which one it was. But um, I, I think Nightcore could for sure exist without the laugh track. I think that's oh, yeah. without a laugh track. Um, that 70s show, it doesn't feel as bad. It also doesn't feel like they're using canned laughter for a lot of it it feels like maybe some of it was i don't i don't i don't think any of it was in front of an audience but maybe screened for an audience um uh because like when kelso and jackie show up like there's a very clear reaction to that you know it's not just like just regular applause like no, it it's people losing their minds. <laughs> so yes, no, no, absolutely, and and like that's a new laugh track, or but that's a new like thing. Um, and I don't know, it's just it's a very weird thing. Like I guess we've come to a point where that, like I said, like the single cam, uh, the single cam comedy has definitely has come to roost, and something that we kind of really never. At least I never thought about because it wasn't something that I had to think about. And now that I think, now that I'm like, you know, now that it's there, it's like, hmm, um, this hybrid isn't working. Maybe we should go back to like, even if you don't yeah. film it in front of a live studio audience, the proscenium of stage work is different, right? So like, like you know, having that like like stage bound stuff because it doesn't feel like that it's stage bound it feels like it's a set that's a 360 set in night court like it definitely feels like like the way that they shoot it and the way that they cut it it feels like it's an actual whole set and not just like there's a big window that they use yeah. like they're the tv cameras it's not like um a show that we talked about in our texts um one day at a time one day at a time definitely feels live studio audience, single, yeah. like multicam. It feels like that stage work, right? So I don't know. Like, it's going to be interesting um, to see how it evolves. And with these two shows, or, well, you've already watched all of it, um, but realistically with Night Court and see how it works as it goes through these nine episodes. Yeah. I, it's weird because, like, Roseanne does it, or Roseanne, or the Connors does it. <laughs> And I, I I think they use a largely a studio audience, um, uh-huh. and uh, or, or at least it's screened for an audience, um, okay. because the reactions feel different. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the canned, like pre-produced laugh track that's the problem. Um, and it we need like maybe they can get away from that as they go. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be nice. Yeah. Um, you know, but I understand it's also really weird to be like, okay, we filmed this. Now we're going to screen it and record you guys laughing at it. So, yeah. you know, it, like that's also a little weird, you know. It, yeah, it, it's it's interesting, man. Like it's really, really interesting because it's not a question that would have ever really been asked even 20 years ago. 
Yeah, well, even, like, let's be honest, like, like even during the run of The Office, so, like, maybe even eight years, like, ten years ago, because, and this is, like, the weird part of, like, this is how I go, this is how I know The Office is very powerful. Like, even in my life, where I'm a, on a scale of one to ten, I'm like a four or five office fan. I'm more in the bag for Parks and Rec. Like, I'm a ten or eleven yeah. with Parks and Rec. But when I see, like, like the whole thing is, is that what we, we've never talked about is, like, there's an entire fucking generation that only care about, like, only care about watching The Office on repeat. They don't care about anything fucking else. Like, that to me is wild. Like, people, like, stopped, like, people stopped their, their, their Netflix subscription when The Office went away yeah. because that's the only fucking thing they watch. And I'm like, wow. Like, that's the I, mean, I know people that. that watch Friends like that. I mean, I, I have a yes. rotation of shows that I'll, like, yeah. I'm currently in Seinfeld mode. I've, I've watched since probably October of last year, I've watched I put Seinfeld on, just let it run in the background. Um, I've done that with The Office. I've done it with Parks and Rec. I've done it with Scrubs. I've done it with a lot of shows. Futurama. Um, with all, I'm spoiling my whole comfort show thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's never. It it'll be one show for a little while, but it's never yeah. just that one show. You know, no. like I will walk away from it at some point and be like, oh, okay, I've watched The Office enough. Like, I'm gonna go to Parks and Rec, or I'm gonna go to Brooklyn Nine Nine, or I'm gonna, you know, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. There, there's like where it's like, so all you watch is Office, or all like my, I have a niece who like she watches Friends just over oh. and over and over. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and I I know somebody who watches uh the, the show you didn't want to mention, Big Bang, who watches yeah. it like that. And I um oh, I'm wow. just, yeah, it, it's you know I actually you know in all fairness, my dad used to watch Andy Griffith like that, <laughs> the Andy <laughs> Griffith show. Yeah, um I like know, that like that used was to watch Cheers like that. yeah, so that's all they'd watch. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, that's true. It's um, uh I I, I want. Uh, uh, not to get away from the TV, but there was a couple no, no, no. of okay. kind of newsy things I wanted to ask you about. Um, okay. Just because we haven't texted about it and I wanted your opinion. The positive one being like, how fucking good is that Scream 6 trailer, man? Like, oh, damn. Holy Jason shit. takes over Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so fucking pumped for this Scream movie. Um, like, I cannot wait. Uh, it just looks so, t and it it triggers what thing I, in my head where I was like, "That's right, we've only ever dealt with this like small town, not small small town, but like yes. sub suburban killer thing." Like the closest we ever got was what in they went to to film the movie, but I don't were they even in L.A. in Scream Three? Like, yes, they were. They okay, were in LA, so, oh, like, but it wasn't. Okay, but it was so, on like a back lot, right? It, there wasn't. Yeah, well, it had that still like contained feel. This is yes. anywhere, any like that subway thing. Like I know we saw it in the first trailer too, but like, yes, it it gets hammered home even more in the second trailer. And I'm just like, my blood is like 
pumping <laughs> while I'm watching this show. I'm like, holy shit, man. This is going to be tense, dude. Oh, this, so this is what I wanted from the first new reboot. That's, this is what I wanted. I didn't, like, the first one's okay. Like, the screen 20, uh, 2022 is, is good. Like, it's good. Yeah, I, I like it. it. Yeah. I enjoy it. But this is different. This is what I wanted. This is what, like, well, I wanted the radio signal like, guys. Yeah, now I feel like that's what they had to do. Like, that was a bridging the gap. Like, that yes. to get to this. Like, so that we didn't, it didn't feel like a complete jump to be like, oh, wait, so he's in the, like, now we're doing this in the city? Like, the, the way the characters go, like, it makes sense for for it to be in the city, that, like, in New York City now. So, yes, yeah, God, it looks so good, man. Like, it I'm I'm, and... I'm excited for it. Like, and it's weird because I I haven't been excited for a screen movie in a long time. I've I've enjoyed them, but I haven't been excited for one in a while. So, I think the last one I was I was really excited about was two. Like, I know that sounds sad, but yeah, like, I, like they've always just been like, oh, okay, you, you know, I'll go see it, and then when I see it, I'm like, oh man, I liked it. It was. Like, you know, I, I know that people hate using this word, but it was clever. Like, they've always been clever. Yeah. Even Scream 4 was clever. Like, the cleverness is what I love about them. Like, there nothing is going to compare to the first one for me. Because, I mean, like, what, you were like, like, we were, we were basically the same age. We're a year apart. I was like 18. You were like 17 when they first came out. It was like our first real slasher that was our own. And that was fucking badass. And it was... It used, like, I love the fact that it used something that nothing, like, that no slasher ever used, which was the tropes of the slasher. Yeah. Um, this feels like it's elevated in a way that, like, I don't even understand. Like, I'm like, okay, this is what I wanted from the radio signal guys. Because I love their uh, Ready or Not. Like, I, I adore that fucking movie. Like, that is, like, bloody clue in a way that I just kind of, like, I adore yeah, I never got around to it. I always heard good things, and I just never got around to it. Um, Ryan liked for, it. Oh, dude, you've got to see this. Like, you are you a are you an Adam Brody fan? Like the yes. like okay, you have to see it just for Adam Brody and his Adam Brodiness. Like they allow him to be Seth, but an R-rated version of Seth. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. It's a really great, and then Samara Weaving is, like, that's where I was like, okay, I'm in the back for this girl, like, whoever, or this young lady, I don't know who the hell she is, but she comes out of nowhere, and she knocks it out of the park. Um, yeah, like, I definitely, I'm in the, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that movie, so, so yeah, uh, like, and then they're getting back a lot of the cast from four, and I'm like, yeah. oh, shit, like, you know, uh, uh, Hayden Pinateri is coming back. I'm like, okay, so yeah, I'm totally in the bag for this. Yeah, um, I, I'm you so at? I'm so so stoked for it. Um, yeah. So uh, we we can end with this, and I like I can't imagine that it it will need much discussion. But okay. uh, Tron three with Jared Leto, fucking really? Oh God, yeah. I mean, you go from <laughs> so. How like, many fucking franchises are we going to let this dude ruin? Obviously. Morbius like, isn't his fault, but still. 
I, 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 Morbius is definitely his fault. I'm going to blame it all on him. <laughs> Fucking, uh, like, okay, so, like, the worst possible, like, if you're going to give somebody something, like, okay, like, I don't even know how he got this. Like, like, wasn't Kaczynski working? Like, Kaczynski, who just directed one of the biggest movies of all time. I'm sorry, I'm getting really upset about this, but Kaczynski, Joseph Kaczynski just directed one of the biggest movies of all time in Top Gun maverick he's Mm -hmm. probably gonna get a fucking oscar nomination for best picture right maybe even best director because it's that big of a movie and disney's fucking solution for the thing that he's been developing and he has said in interviews recently oh i'm really excited about tron 3 he's like you you know like i've been developing it for the last like eight to ten years and like you know we, we we have we have an entryway for it and then you fucking announce Jared 30 let it uh, 30 minutes to morbing time Leto like is going to be is like spearheading this yeah. so we're going to take we're going to go from Kaczynski and Daft Punk to Leto and 30 seconds to Mars doing the soundtrack like we already know that that's what's going to happen like he thinks that he's going he can do yeah, what Daft Trent Punk Reznor- broke up so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, he thinks that he can fucking do. Like, I would rather take a, a broken up Daft Punk over Jared Leto. Like, let's yeah. be honest. Like, get one of the dudes, or I mean, you know, I don't know, bro. This is like crazy. I, stuff. No, this is, when like, that crazy. wasn't out, I was like, just don't make it, don't make it. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to see it. Like, I know a lot of people have affection for that franchise. I, I enjoyed the last one for what it was. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I, I'd rather not continue down this road than see this. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. Like, unless somebody can rein him in, then yeah, I just don't know, dude. I don't know. Uh, I, not like, Jesus not like not this. <laughs> yeah, Rockstar, Rockstar Jesus is not is not gonna like. Okay, so like, here's the thing. You you think you're Jesus. Why don't you just why don't you just remake Jesus Christ Superstar? Yeah. Like like honestly like do something like that, bro. Like I'm sorry but like <laughs> I've never been a fan of Jared Leto or Leto or whatever the hell you want to call him. Um he's just I don't know, like I just mm, it bothers me. It bothers me a great deal. It's like like that was the most baffling news in the world. I was like like I saw it in a weird thing because people were talking about Tron three and I was like, Oh wow. Maybe Kaczynski finally got his shit to get like, you know, they, they finally got their shit together and went, okay, so Kaczynski, we're going to give you like a big budget again. Like, you know, we'll, we'll promote it as from the director of Top Gun Maverick, but you got to get certain stars in this now. Um, you know, but no, no, nothing like that. It was like Jared Leto, Tron three, and the stupidest part was, like, here's the thing that pisses me off, is that it was announced because Disney Disney saw that when they opened the Tron ride in Disney World, it it didn't. It was like supposedly massively successful, but I mean, you know, when you charge like you know a fifty percent upcharge from when you pre pandemic prices, of course it's going to be a hit because you're yeah. spending two hundred dollars a day on tickets. Um, they announced it at that point, and I'm like, really, Disney? I mean, you know, why don't you just fucking announce another, like, you know, let, let's go with another Pirates movie. 
and I'm fairly certain they probably are making another Pirates movie, and it's probably with Johnny Depp and, you know, whatever. Okay, yeah. fine. It's just, it's so... You're gonna, like, you're gonna spend in excess of $400 million after advertising on something starring Jared Leto. Like, let that set in. Like, that's wild. After Morbius... Like, what? Did they think that Morbius did well because of everybody making fun of it on Twitter? Like, are these people, like, attached to Twitter? Like, yeah, Twitter I, means anything? Yeah, I am I am baffled. Like, beyond anything, it's baffling that yes. his name is getting attached to any huge franchises. Because, I mean, let's... I said we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, but, but let's spend no. a few more let's minutes yes. on it. Yes, so funny. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go to my IMDb and type in Jared Leto and let's see. Now we all know about Dallas Buyers Club, but let's yeah. see. Uh We Crashed, which was somewhat talked about, but like did not make the splash that I think a lot of people thought it was gonna make. Mm-hmm. Um which it, it that was him and uh, I mean the cast was great. It was like him and Anne Hathaway and Anthony Edwards and you know a lot of great people. But like it just kind of came and went. Morbius, huge bomb. House of Gucci, bomb. Uh, shows up in Zack Snyder's Justice League, which wasn't a bomb, but like it was just something like put out on HBO Max. So it's hard to yeah. consider that. The the little things, uh, I don't I, I don't want to say bomb because I don't know how much this movie costs, but Denzel Washington, Rami Malek coming off an Oscar win, Jared Leto, like I, I don't think it made the splash that people were hoping it would make. I don't um, The Outsider, I've not even heard of. Uh it's it's a very troubling movie. He plays a like I watched 10 minutes of it. I was like, it's a Yakuza movie where okay. like he, he comes in and he basically a white dude who like ends up owning the Yakuza. I'm just like, no, dude, shut the fuck up. Get out of here, Jared Leto. Anywho, like there's that. Yes. Blade Runner 2049, which is minor really for him. Like he is not the draw of that movie. No. Um, and I, I don't know that that was a financial success, but like, not. You know, the first Blade Runner wasn't either. So, yeah. Um, uh, Suicide Squad. Like, that's everything he's done since Dallas Buyers Club. Yep. None of that was successful. The only truly, I think, I, I haven't seen The Little Things, and I didn't watch Zack Snyder's version of Justice League. I didn't see House of Gucci either, but, like, as much as I... uh enjoy Ridley Scott it just didn't look like my bag um mm-hmm. so I haven't seen everything but I've heard enough about all of those things just, none of those are successful why the no, fuck I'm... is this dude still being cast in things as a major star yeah because <laughs> he I, won I... an Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club I don't I don't understand it. Like, I literally do not understand it. Like, I'm, I, it's baffling to me. It's really baffling to me the, the career that he's had. Like, like, I, yeah. I like, mean, was the last mm-hmm. really good stuff he made, like early 2000s, 
Like Fight Panic Club. Room, uh, yeah, American yeah. Psycho, Fight Club, Girl Interrupted, uh, you know, um, like that era. Highway, I thought, was a pretty good movie. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, uh, mm-hmm. but I remember enjoying it. So that's the uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. That's the Jake Gyllenhaal uh, yeah. Nirvana movie, right? Yeah, Selma Blair. It has yeah. a good cast: Jeremy C. P- or Jeremy Piven, John C. McGinley. Like it's it had a pretty Scott Rosenberg wrote it. Um, yeah, very weird, but like you know of its era. So um, that's right. But yeah, like uh, uh, Lord of War, I think was all right. I haven't seen it probably since it came out, but um, but he's such a minor character. Like okay, so like he's super supporting role in that. He's yeah. literally like in it as much as uh, he's in Fight Club. Okay. You know that's like like that's how much he's in it. Um, so yeah, no, no, no. I mean, there's like, I don't like, I feel like, like at a certain point, because he went off to be a rock star, they still think he has a following that will turn into box office thing. And then, like you said, he got, he got Dallas Buyers Club, um, got an Oscar, Oscar win out of that. And I just, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Like, I don't find like, so House of Gucci, I liked, but I liked it in a, what the hell are you doing, Ridley Scott? Why are you making a telenovela for big screen? Like, but it's odd because like the most amusing part is Jared Leto's like semi-racist, like, like portrayal of an Italian man along with <laughs> Al Pacino playing his dad. Like there's a moment like in our house. Uh, like, um, because like my, my wife loves Gaga. I mean, who, who, who doesn't love Gaga? Yeah. Right. Like, like it's, she's the fucking reason why I'm going to see the troubling Todd Phillips Joker sequel. Like yep. it's the only reason why, because she's in it and she's playing Harlequin and it's a musical and I'm going to go see it because you know, Gaga, you, you just bow to Gaga. I mean, she's the new age Madonna, uh, which Madonna touring again, that that's going to be expensive for people. Jesus, just play the hits. Anyways, um, but there's a there's a line in that in that movie that Al Pacino says that um, that became like this battle cry in our house from Al Pacino. He like there's a moment where he grabs uh, he grabs um, Jared Leto's face like as the character, and he goes, "You're an idiot." And then he hugs him really quickly. He goes, but you're my idiot. So there's a moment where, like we have a, like my, my bigger dog, Fiona. Um, she's a combination of a lot of things, but she's a, uh, she's a great parent, uh, a great Pyrenees. And if you know anything about great Pyrenees, they're very, they, they're very loving dogs, but they don't know their size. So they clobble things. And that's what she does. And so, like, when she loves you, she, like, gets on top of you and she clubs you and stuff. And so, like, like I've, like, you know, I've been known to, like, get upset with her because she keeps on clobbering me and stuff. And then I'll just grab her face and I'll go, you're an idiot, but you're my idiot. And I'll hug her. <laughs> like, it's just, like, it's the only thing from Jared Leto that, and it wasn't even Jared Leto. It was Al Pacino probably improvising this fucking line about, like, about Jared Leto being an idiot because he is. Um, that's the only thing that I've ever gotten from Jared Leto in my entire life. I, I don't like 30 Seconds to Mars. I don't like anything. So, I like that. I like that one song. <laughs> which one? The <laughs> Kill. Oh, yes. I, I, the video is better 
than the song. But again, I didn't know that song was the song because I saw I saw a movie. Do you remember um, David Goyer's The Invisible? Yeah. Um, that's the song that's in that movie that plays at the end of it. And I was like, okay, like when I, I, I saw that in the theater, I really like that movie. That movie's actually a very underrated, like ghost supernatural movie. I agree. Uh, but when it ends and it starts that, that, that song and it starts going and I'm like, oh man, this is a kind of a banger of a, of a track. And I waited until the end of the movie to see what that song was. And I was like, 30 seconds to March, fuck you. And I walked out <laughs> so upset that I was digging something from Jared Leto. Like my favorite roles from Jared Leto are the David Fincher ones because like David, David Fincher knows exactly what to do. He has a punchable face. So what does he do in all of the movies that he cast Jared Leto? Either yeah. has him punched, burned, whatever. It's like, like my oh, like just a side tangent. My favorite thing about David Fincher is that he's an epic troll. And one of my favorite things that he ever did was he made Ben Affleck after he won his Oscar for directing, made Ben Affleck in Gone Girl wear a New York Yankees cap. And then describes about uh, describes the power move to make sure that he that that Ben Affleck understands that he is the director is the reason why he did this. Now, if you know anything about fucking Affleck, it's the fact that he loves Boston and he would never yeah. wear a New York Yankees cap. But the fact that Fincher is like seven layers 3D chest doing that kind of stuff, I absolutely know that he does not like Jared Leto as much as everybody else doesn't like Jared yeah. Leto. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, but yeah, like Spencer sent me a text with it, like he's like, "Oh, Tron news," and I was like, "Wait, what?" And he sent it, sent me the. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? How is he continuing to work? Like he has not had a box office success, and I don't know how long. Like this dude must be one hell of a salesman, or he has the best agent in Hollywood." Because, holy shit, like, who watched the Suicide Squad, uh, or Suicide Squad, um, and uh, Morbius, and and was just like, let's get that guy. <laughs> like, you know, who? What, what, what do you think? Okay, so you've seen those AI, uh, like, okay, so, like, maybe, like, I, I'm having an idea of what they think. Have you seen those AI um, art drawings of Jodorowsky's Tron? Yes. Like, okay, so, like... Like Jodorowsky, like like if you've seen if you haven't seen Jodorowsky's Dune, guys, like that's like a great documentary about a non-made movie. That's wild. But one of the things, one of the big things was that he wanted to turn it into a rock opera. What if Jared Leto in his fucking peyote taking out of mind thought, I'll turn Tron into a rock opera? I mean. I guess at <laughs> least it might be an interesting failure. Like, <laughs> but then, like, he just basically is the Duke Warrior from Mad Max with a mm -hmm. guitar, singing, doing whatever, like, to to bring the world of Tron, like, safety. I don't know, but I I, don't, I, I feel like something with 30 Seconds to Mars has a lot to do with this. It, it has to be the only reason, right? Like... Like oh I'll 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 give you all my music for free, you know, and then oh right, 
Jared Leto fans unite, not realizing like how many Jared Leto fans are there anymore. I mean, yes. I, I don't know. I like that's an honest question. <laughs> I love that Spencer just like sends you Tron news and gives you like the worst possible Tron news as humanly possible. Like like yes. <laughs> like the bearer of bad news. Um, but it's just baffling. Like the, like I know we've just talked twenty minutes about the WTF of this all, but like realistically, like you said, when's the last hit he's had? He hasn't had a hit, not where he's lead. Yes. No. I mean, you know, um, I just, and maybe he won't yeah. be the lead in Tron. Maybe, maybe we're just all, all we know is Jared uh, is attached. Like that's all we know. But like that was enough to just be like, what? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> um. So yeah, I don't. Uh, next week, I don't know what we. I know we kind of had our agenda this week. I I don't know that anything's coming that I'll. I'm checking out next week. It might just be more of like what I accidentally wind up watching. Um, so, wanna, well, so like I kind of want to check out Shrinking. I mean, Harrison oh, is that Ford, premiere next week? Yeah, that's next week. Oh, Harrison and I'm, Ford, I, yeah, hundred percent. I'm going to be watching that. Um, I think that that's premiering next week. Uh, what else is premiering? I know that there's a couple of things that are that are going on that are more movie based than anything else. Um, but I think the big one for me, when I like looked at everything, cause like, I'm not a Teen Wolf fan. Um, I'm not a JLo fan, even though I'll probably end up watching that terrible movie. Um, Eddie coming back with Kenya Barris and Jonah Hill in you people. Yeah. I, like the, the trailers look kind of funny. Um, I might check that out. So I might, I like, I, I will, but it may not be a discussion, you know, I mean, I love Eddie, like, and Eddie said the funniest thing um, at the Golden Globes that I, that I feel like he's, he's said in the last, like, five to ten years, um, so, I don't know, like, Eddie being funny in a movie that is written by a guy who I really, I, like, I find very funny, Kenya Barris is kind of interesting, um, I don't know, like, I, I prefer Serious Eddie now because I've not seen anything funny from him in a long time. And I know that sounds like, I mean, I, I, like we, we've not talked about Eddie, have we? Like, just like, like, I mean, how much I love him, but also how just kind of like, what? Why yeah. aren't you funny anymore? Why aren't you funny? Like, Dol Dolomite is not, like, my name is Dolomite isn't funny in the traditional sense. Like, it's more of a performance, and I love it. It's beautiful, right? But... Eddie being funny has been such a long, long thing away. Um, but yeah, no, um, I feel like I feel like shrinking could definitely be um, something that we could talk about because you know Harrison Ford coming back into the fold. With yeah, no, it's it's the great cast, but it's a Bill Lawrence show, and yes, I mean I'm always all in on Bill Lawrence shows, like. You know, before, well before Ted Lasso. I mean, Scrubs is one of my favorite shows of all time. Oh, so. Cougar Town. Uh, he did Cougar Town, right? Or yeah, was that Kevin Coug Beagle? No, Cougar Town was uh, him. So. Yeah, Cougar Town is like one of those those shows that nobody watched. It was on TNT for like six seasons, but I, I adored. Yeah, uh, I, I love Cougar Town. It's on Hulu now, and I it's one that is in the rotation, especially the first like three or four seasons. Mm -hmm. uh when uh 
what's his name that plays her ex-husband is in it. When he goes oh, out yeah. of it, it kind of loses something. But like uh, Bobby Cobb, man, Bobby Cobb is one of the best television characters. He's right up there with um, like uh, and lo- just he's a lovable idiot, man. Like he's he really just is. so good. Like Penny Can is one of the best. <laughs> like oh my god, it's almost as good. Like it's just as Penny Can is just as good as uh, True American. Yeah, if you're a, a a new girl fan, um, though a lot easier to play. <laughs> That's but true. uh, um, hey, here's a weird thing. Did you know that Guy Ritchie's movie, um, that one that he did with Aubrey Plaza and the Jason Statham is is already out? No, it's in theaters or something. Like I didn't know that. Uh, Operation Fortune, like. Like I I read something that it's already in theaters and I'm like wait 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 you're telling me there's a fucking Guy Ritchie movie that is about like you know is is a a heist movie and it's not being promoted I don't know I gotta check it I like if I like if I see that it's playing somewhere near me I am definitely going to see it and I will report back because mm. a, a, like a, a, a like a like a like I'm like I said like a, J, a, J, a Guy Ritchie movie like. Like that, and it's not being promoted is a very weird thing to me. So, yeah. I will I will report back. Um, yeah. Until then, go check out everything else we're doing over at xwingfiles.com, including our new podcast, Pod Lasso, Talking Ted. Uh, so, if you're a Ted Lasso fan, go check that out. We're having a lot of fun with that. Um, and new episodes of X Wing Files, new episodes of. Uh, no one which uh, we're talking about Lord of the Rings which I'm, I'm still watching I'm not I'm I'm just not I'm not in on it I'm watching it but I like it's not it's not grabbing me so, okay you know I I don't I think you have to be really hardcore Middle Earth fan to really mm. really enjoy the show and it, that's just not me so yeah um but yeah new episodes of uh, those shows up. Um, probably new episode of Marvel Fanfare going up soon, talking about oh. Black, Black Panther, since it's okay. about to hit streaming, and yep. everybody will have finally seen it. Like, you were the only person I got to talk about it with, because nobody else I know went and saw it. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, yeah. that, that, under, that, that, that <laughs> explains the box office-ness of it. Yeah. Um, I'm, so, yeah, I'm, new, new episodes, so check the website. Uh, you can check out uh, my website, uh, themovieisle.com, where Logan writes his moving pictures. Um, I just got a new edition, which will probably be out by the time we talk next. Um, that is, yeah, I was not expecting that one. Like, that one hit me hard. That one really hit me hard, especially oh, with yeah. a couple of things. Uh, that, um, Yeah, we can talk about that one um, next week, because that's actually a great film. But, um that'll be up um my best of list will be up uh finally the best of 2022 um it will not it will not be surprising uh to anybody what the, the, the what i consider the best film of 2022 was uh i think we even talked about it me and logan talked about it at the very beginning of this podcast i i said it's not gonna change it's not and it hasn't because there's nothing as good as this movie um there may be not even anything good this year that matches this this movie like that's how good it is um so anywho um you can always go do, uh um look at the writing side of 
Logan's um, Logan's film career and mine um, at themovieisle.com. And with that, guys, we'll be back next week. We'll see you then.